Good morning. <laughs> this is definitely um, terrifying. <laughs> and also super exciting because the Lord has just been burning in our hearts. Oh, what the heck? I'm just going to cry the whole time probably. <laughs> but the Lord has just been burning in our hearts these past two years that we've been on mission. Oh, yes. There, thank you. Thank you. You're the best. You're the best. I'm just going to put this right here. Oh, thanks. I think I might need more. Um, no, the Lord has just been so amazing. Um, he's taking our family on this journey across the world. Um, we've just had the privilege of traveling all over the world and seeing the mighty moves of God um, in so many places, including dark places. And I just want to declare to you that he is moving all over this world. And that what you see on television is not the end of the story. And actually, what you see on television is in contrast to the movement that is so intense and wonderful and beautiful, but nobody talks about it. So I'm just here to declare to you that there is incredible movement of God that is happening around the earth. And it's just unlike anything we've ever seen before. And one of the things that the Lord spoke to us about coming back to praise is, is we were here last fall and we both were like, oh my gosh, he's going to do it here. And uh, we just couldn't help but want to be a part of that. We're like, Lord Jesus, you're going to do something so crazy here. And we want to be there when you do it. <laughs> uh, what better to be able to do it with and the people we really love to be surrounded in our home. And yeah, anyway, so all of those things. God is good and he's moving. He's moving. Yes, so first of all, I just want to recap what Jordan said last, uh, last week. He shared his testimony and it was awesome and beautiful and wonderful. <laughs> And I'm just super privileged to be married to that man sitting over there. <laughs> and it just keeps coming. Um, but, you know, he mentioned that we aren't here to fulfill your expectations. Jordan and I aren't here to take this position just to, like, you know, hear what you have to say and, um, and say, okay, yes, yes. I mean, we are to do that. Yes, we are doing that. But actually, first priority in our heart is to fulfill the expectations of him. And he comes before you. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. So, um, yeah, so he kind of touched on that a little bit. And I just want to reiterate that. Because Jordan and I didn't come back here, you know, to, to be the lead pastors, to be your savior. We just came back to remind you that Jesus is. And uh, that we came to point the bride to the bridegroom because he is coming. And we must be ready for him. We must be ready for him. We have to be ready for him. Our oil lamps must be filled full. All right, so my story. Let's talk story. <laughs> okay, so if we want to turn to John chapter 8. Verses 2 through 11. I just want to read this story because it is my story. And it's, ah, I just love Jesus. He's just the best. This is what he did with me, quite literally in many ways. So, John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. So, just be aware, Jordan and I are very imperfect people. And last week, Jordan shared in full disclosure how imperfect he is. And I'm just going to share with you just how imperfect I am. And so here we go. Uh, At dawn, he went to the temple again, and all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? They asked this to trap him in order that they may, might have evidence to accuse him. 
Jesus, beautiful Jesus, stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. I love that. I just love that. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Well, neither do I condemn you, Jesus said. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. I love this story. I could unpack this for like seven days straight. It's just like so good and so rich and so beautiful. It's my story. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad are awesome. And we had a beautiful childhood. It was awesome. And, uh, you know, we were homeschooled, and I loved being homeschooled. And I had a first boyfriend when I was 15. You know, you're like, oh, you have eyes only for one human in the universe, and it's that one person. <laughs> and so I started dating this guy and just fell madly in love with him. You know how it goes. And, um, you know, just through all of it, just he, he, there were just some things that he did that, and said to me that were really, really unkind and very, very hurtful to a 15-year-old girl. And then um, he ended up cheating on me with one other girl who was super hot. And I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, just my heart was, like, totally broken um, and just super angry, actually. And in that moment, I made a vow in that moment. I was like, and this is not something I realized at the time. I made a vow, which I later realized was a vow, that I will never again let somebody do that to me. If anybody is going to be shysty, it's going to be me first. Before anyone can do it to me, I'm going to do it first. And so it just began this wild um, excursion of just drinking and partying and boys and all the things. And I, you know, was just running around. I had boyfriends, but I was seeing other people while I had boyfriends. It was just like crazy. And later, you know, Later in life, I realized, like, the Holy Spirit revealed to me that I was addicted to affirmation. Affirmation was the thing that I was chasing after. And it was, it was an identity issue that I had that never got resolved at the cross. And so um, that was just a part of who I was, and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And it actually wasn't part of who I was. It just was the lie that I received from, from the enemy. And I received it as truth. And so going down the, the path of destruction is like, whoa, we're just going to go down that path. And I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And I was lying and just, oh, just crazy stuff. Really rebellious. And then uh, I actually had a boyfriend when I met Jordan. <laughs> And we became fast friends, and he was so kind, and he was a believer. And I wasn't interested in Jordan at, at first and because um, I had a boyfriend. And I was really trying to live my life clean and clear from, those, from that lifestyle. I just knew inside of me, like, I didn't want this. This is not who I wanted to be. Like, I had just come to this crux of, of wanting something so different because I just felt disgusting. I felt just so disgusting. And so we met, and we became fast friends. And then he's like, uh, I'm totally having feelings for you, and we can't be friends because you have a boyfriend. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my goodness gracious, I have a choice to make. And so I prayed for the first time in like a year and a half, and I was 18. And uh, he, the Lord told me for the first time in my whole life, 
I heard his voice, and he said, I want you to be with this man. I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I broke up with my boyfriend, and we got married, and it was just this, like, whirlwind of love and eyeballs, and you, like, everything blurs around you, and you're, like, dancing, and it's, like, this thing, and nobody else matters ever, including your job and your coworkers and your boss. You're just kind of, like, making foolish decisions. It's just the, I don't know. Love. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Okay. So we're just in love, and I didn't realize that when I married Jordan, I was like, oh, you know what? Like, this is, this is done. This part of me that is inside of me that is super disgusting is done. Because the Lord, he has forgiven me, and I have, like, denied it. It's done and over with. I don't have—it's not a part of me anymore. Because I've made a covenant vow to an incredible human being, and he's going to be enough, right? <laughs> it's that thing that we're like, oh, you get married, you're like, oh, that person, oh, yes, now I won't have a pornography addiction, because they're just going to fulfill all my needs. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we take things into marriage that were previous in our life, that we, some, some of the things even from our childhood, from four or five years old, that we bring into a union, a covenant union with somebody. And we, you know, just to have the best hopes, like this is going to fix everything. He's going to fix me. And meanwhile, we're making our vow, and Max Lucado puts it this way, it's the best picture that I can describe. We're like, we're carrying all these burdens like, we can't even, like, kiss each other because we're, like, we got a backpack on and a duffel bag. Like, fear, you know, resentment, bitterness, you know, sexual abuse, all of these things that we're bringing into this covenant vow that we haven't brought through the cross yet. And that's, that's what I did. And so, you know, we get married, and he's just, like, so awesome. He, like, loves Jesus. He's on fire for Jesus. This is what I knew, like, my heart longed for and desired was a man after God's own heart, and he was it. And then I turned 21, and I was working at a restaurant, and I don't know if you've waited tables before, but that is a crazy life. Waitressing and serving, you're just, like, there's partying and drinking and crazy, just crazy, crazy stuff. And so I was with a friend who was a Christian woman who also just was recently married. And we're like, oh, we're safe. We can go out together and we can go dancing and we can like do our thing. And we're safe. Like we can hold each other accountable. We cannot hold each other accountable. No, that's a lie from the enemy. It's not something to mess with. Like drinking and partying and doing that is not something we can mess with when we have chosen to set ourselves aside, when we've made a covenant before the Lord. Anyway, I just say that because I know there and I've done it. So, you know, there's no shame. Just don't receive that, please. That's not what I'm saying. It's just that I just, I just know the debt that it incurred in my life. That was paid, amen. And so... Anyway, so we were married, we got married, and we were married for like a year, and I just was just going down this deep dive. And I started staying up to like three or four in the morning, like hungover, and he would be getting up super early and reading his Bible, like the incredible man of God he was and is. And so throughout that journey, there came a, a time where something got out in the the restaurant I was working at, and, and I knew, oh my gosh, everybody knows about this thing. It's not even the right story. It was like, it, it was like swapped. It wasn't even a right picture of what happened. But in my heart, I was like, I just deserve every single bit of this humiliation because I just incurred, like, the debt was just, like, whew, it was just huge and massive and super disgusting. It felt like, it felt like, um, uh, like, just sticky, yucky, disgusting, nasty tar was just, like, inside of me and starting to show up on my skin. Like, that's how disgusting I felt. And, um, 
it just got to this point where I was like, I, I am not, he, he has to know, I, I'm done with this. I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore because I, I married this incredible man and what have I done? What have I done? Addiction to affirmation. <laughs> and so I, I pulled him aside and I, I told him, I told him just what happened that got around, you know, but I didn't tell him everything. And, and part of that was, oh, not part of it. All of it was fear. But the, the enemy was like, oh, you know what? He, he can know that you were unfaithful. He doesn't need to know the whole story. And I, I, you know, I just sat down and told him that thing. And he was distraught and, you know, but also kind. And he said, I'm not going to leave you. But if we're going if, if to make it, I need a few things from you. And I said, okay, anything, 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 anything. He said, I want you to read your Bible every day. I want you to be in the Word. I want you to come to church every week. And no more drinking. I was like, done, done, done. And done, and done, and done, and done, anything, anything. Because I was so sick and tired of being disgusting. I knew, I knew, I knew what I had done and incurred this deep thing. Anyway. I just want to, like, this is how I felt was so much like David when he was caught by Nathan. I just want to turn there really, really quick because this is, like, the best description of how I can describe how I felt. And it's in Psalms 51. It's, I love it. The title is A Prayer for Restoration. But verse, I'm going to do verse 6, too, if that's okay, you guys. I don't know if you can get six up there. I just love six. I was reading it this morning. I was like, oh, I think I'm going to do six too. Okay. Number six and seven. Six says, surely you desire integrity in the inner self, and you teach me wisdom deep within. Number seven says, purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Hyssop is so amazing because, oh gosh, this is, this is just how I felt. Back in the old days, hyssop was used like an acid. It looked like those cattail things, those, they're like reeds. And, and they boiled it to like create this concoction where they would, um, after they had killed animals and use the meat and the organs and whatever, they use the whole animal. So what they did is what was left on the bones, they put it in hyssop and it was like acid and it like took everything away until the bone was white clean. And in my heart, I was like, Lord, pour acid over my whole self. I need to be clean before you. Like this is the need that I deeply have. Like, it has to be done. So do whatever you have to do and take whatever you have to take. Awesome thing. Another awesome thing about hyssop is, ah, I just love Jesus because you look at the Bible and you look at the word and you're like, oh my gosh, there's more. Oh my goodness, there's more and more and more. It just is like so amazing. The hyssop branch was the same branch that the Israelites during Exodus, during Passover, they used that to dip the blood of the lamb to to pass over their homes. <laughs> they use that hyssop branch. Lord, cover me in hyssop. Pass over me, cleanse me, and wash me. So that's how I felt. I just was in this moment of like just deep, deep longing for righteousness. Never before have I felt that in my whole life. And so I did all those things. I started going to church and reading my Bible. And you know what? I grew up in the church and we did Bible quizzing and we did like sword drills, you know, you're like, oh, which verse or whatever. And we did those fun things, but I actually never opened my Bible and started to read the Bible. Just like, just like read it, you know, like read it. Like, and I started reading the gospels and I was like, oh my gosh. Jesus is so much more savage than I ever thought he was. <laughs> now he is just like the best, the best, the best, the best. 
best, the best. And you can't discover that through somebody else telling you. You have to discover that on your own. You have to take responsibility for your own walk with Christ and not eat off the breadcrumbs of somebody else's. You need to take this, and you need to take it home, and you need to feed off of it. You need to live in it, soak in it, bathe in it, because it is the truth, and it is the way and the life. And all of this points to Jesus. So if we want to know Jesus, we need to be in our word. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love you, Julie. Oh, it's so awesome. I don't know where I was. Anyway, <laughs> just hiss up. Anyway, so, oh, yes, I was reading the word. And so I was in the word, and, and just, like, just like my mind is being blown. And it was about two months after I initially told Jordan the, the very first thing. And um, he was getting ready for work. He was actually out the door, and the Holy Spirit just, like just the exact same way that he said, I want you to be with this man. He said to me verbally, he said, I want you to tell him everything right now. And if you do, I will bless you abundantly for the rest of your life. <laughs> and I totally believed him. I was like, yes. I was like, bam, boom, let's go. I just like couldn't. Just fear, total fear. You know, your flesh in that moment when you go and confess. It's the most terrifying thing you could ever do is confess your sins to one another. But it is biblical and James commands it because we must do it. It cleanses us and washes us clean. If we want to be clean, we need to confess to one another, not just to God in heaven because he, he, he's so good and he receives that. He is kind and gentle, and he welcomes our confession. But it is so, so highly encouraged that we go to one another. Because when we do, there is a next level of freedom that we experience that is unlike anything you've ever experienced in your life. And I know it because I did it. And so I grabbed him, and I sat him down, and I said, Babe, I just, I just want you to know there was just, like, so much. It was, like, what I what I told you, and, you know, here, here it is. Here it is. And he was like, just, of course, he was heartbroken. But he believed, he believed what the Lord said. He's like, I, I believe that. I, I believe that the Lord said that. The grace of the Lord was, <laughs> was over me. And you know what? That happens. Not everybody will respond as beautifully as Jordan will. But the grace of the Lord is upon you when you repent. When we confess our sins, there is such kindness. It's like, I endured the cross so that you can do this. There is power in the cross that we do not take advantage of. It is there, and it's this nice little story, and, and we're like, oh, that's so beautiful. He's beautiful. But when we really, really see how beautiful it is, it changes us and wrecks us and marks us forever and ever and ever. It will never be the same. And let me tell you, the first promise to that blessing Oh, she loves this, by the way. She loves it. She knows our story. Two months, two months later, after I confessed everything and just was like, oh, just, we're just in. We're just in. We're starting over. We're in. We're, we're going to be washed and, and, and purified by the Holy Spirit. We're in. Two months later, we got pregnant with Chloe. And she was our first promise. Because abundant blessings aren't always financial. They're spiritual. They're children. Oh, gosh, they are so children. That's for another day. Because I got a lot to say about that. That's so good. But, <laughs> but they're just so much more. It's so much more. And so here's the thing. It cost me everything to follow him. 
It costs my dignity. It costs being completely humiliated in front of anyone. Anyone who wants to walk around and say, well, this is my story. Do you guys want to hear it? I mean, now I can say that because he's just so glorious and he gets the glory, right? So yes, I do actually want to do that. But, <laughs> you know, we just don't hang our sins like laundry. We're like, hey, look. You know, it's not something we do. But when we take that dirty laundry and no matter how hard we try to wash it on our own, and we're at the river like, oh, I can do it. I will stop watching pornography. I will stop lusting after the woman next door. I will stop. I will stop yelling at my kids. I'll stop taking it out on my husband. And I'll stop lying to my boss. I'll stop that. I need to stop that. Yes, I'm going to do that. No matter how much we do that, it will never be clean until we give it to Jesus. And he takes it and says, it is done. And repentance, here, here's the thing. It's something that is a partnership. And we walk with Jesus in partnership. It was never supposed to be him lording things over us. And let, let, let me just tell you that there are commandments there are commandments in Scripture that we, we must heed. So I'm not saying that. I'm saying he is kind, and he does not require us. He doesn't require and beg us and say, you must do this. He is kind, and it is an invitation I will say, when we choose to not walk in the kindness and the love of Jesus, when we are outside of that, I will tell you firsthand, there is a wrath that incurs upon us that is terrifying. But when we come to the, to the beautiful lamb, who's the most, most approachable man in all of history, and we say, I cannot do this. I need you. He's the kindest, most loving, merciful, gracious, patient, wonderful one in all of history. He is worth it. Stephanie Gretzinger, I just love her. I just, she's one of my favorite people out there that has, you know, a platform. Oh, platforms, that's another, that's another thing, but just... She says this, and I, I'll, never not, I'll never not think of this. He doesn't ask for much, just everything. Just everything. It doesn't cost very much to follow Jesus. It just costs everything. Because when we actually, when we actually take what we have, and we finally, we finally say, I don't. Want, I want you more than I want this. And that desire starts to incur, like incur, is that the right word? Starts to rack up, just starts to build, bubble up. When that desire starts to bubble up, and the more, and, and it happens like this. Practically, if you're wondering how it happens, it begins by reading your word, actually. That's how it happened for me. When, when we begin to read our word and then we invite Holy Spirit. <laughs> we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. He was already working before we invited him. Which I just love that. <laughs> um, it just starts to explode. And things just start to awaken in our souls. And, and things, things like... You know, I used to be obsessed with my house and my things and the cute. Oh, I just love it. I love cute spaces. I'm not going to die. I, lo I really love cute spaces. I love that. And I was like, oh, my home. Let's get a big house so we can have people over. And it can be used for ministry, which is, listen to me. Those are all amazing things. Actually, right now, we would love a big house to do ministry in. So don't, don't hear me when I say this. 
is like, I, I just like want this big house. And the Lord gave us this amazing house and it was awesome. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. And we filled it with all the pretty little things. And I was like, I love my home. And I was like, oh, there's a little bit of pride creeping up there. It's like, oh, I want to have people over so they can see my house. It looks really nice right now. <laughs> you know, it's just kind of kind of yucky a little bit. There's nothing wrong with like wanting to decorate your space and have a beautiful space because you honor people by doing that, by creating a space to host. Hospitality is everything. If we're going to live out the gospel, this is another story for another day, we must be hospital and we must be willing to open up our homes to each other. That is the cure for loneliness right now. The word in our homes. Anyway, a table. We're getting there. We're getting there. Anyway. I don't know where I was. I'm just going to keep going. So in 2 Samuel 24, we'll turn there too, 18 to 25. What is happening leading up to this point is David, at the end of his life, he takes his census. And this is actually command, like it was commanded from the Lord not to count how many people and how many troops he has. But because pride or, you know, whatever it is, for whatever reason, he was like, oh, I wonder how big our kingdom is. And he just kind of like, he, he just gets trapped. He gets trapped by that thought of like counting. And I feel like maybe it's familiar to our churches these days when we are more about the numbers than we are about his presence. Anyway, that's also for another day. There's a lot of things. Um... But he, count, he starts to count his, his, his troops. And so when he does that, the Lord's like, David, I said not to do this. This is not a part. You don't get the glory. Don't you remember that? You know that. It's me. You don't get to take credit for Israel. I do. It is my country and my people, I get the glory. And so in 2 Samuel, the Lord gives him three options. And there's a plague that breaks out. And it's, there's more to that. It's such a, it's, an, yeah, I just love David. He's like one of my favorite people ever. Um, but in verse 18, let's, let's start there. Gad came to David that day and said to him, get, go up and set up an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arauna, I don't know, is that right, Rich? Arauna, I got it right, the Jebusite. David went up in obedience to Gad's command, just as the Lord had commanded. Arauna looked down and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So he went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. Arauna said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? David replied, to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord so the plague on my people may be halted. So when he made this sin, there had to be a sacrifice for that sin. Something had to be done. Arana said to David, my lord the king may take whatever he wants and offer it. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering, the threshing shelves, the ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty, Arana gives everything here to the king. He's like, have it all. Take it for free. Then he said to the king, may the lord your God accept you. <sighs> this is it. The king answered Arauna, no, I insist on buying it from you for a price, for I will not offer to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. That is it. I do not. I do not want to offer to the Lord what costs me nothing. You know, we, we got that beautiful house and that big home, and, and then we sold it because we felt the Lord saying, hey, I think this has become an idol in your life. 
and also because he was calling us into missions, but we didn't know that yet. And so we're like, oh, yeah, you know what? We, we do. We just felt like we were kind of house poor, if you guys know what that means. It's like we're just making it, but a big portion of our money going out is for our house. And so then we sold it, and we moved to a smaller house down the street, and it was small and intimate, and I loved it. And I was like, okay, Lord, this is a really cute house. I'm going to fill it with pretty things. <laughs> Like, we got rid of, like, three-quarters of our stuff, and I was like, oh, but I can still make this look nice. So I'm at TJ Maxx again. <laughs> it's like, you know, just like, or Target. Oh, mamas, you know, you know. You feel me. Many of you out there. Sometimes the men, honestly. Jordan loves it, too. No. Yeah, he does. Um, but, yeah, just feeling this, like, kind of creep up and creep up, and then, COVID hit, and we were like, gosh, something, like, we can't live this way anymore. Because at that point, we were, we were operating in complacent Christianity that was performance-based Christianity. We're like, oh, if we do this, then the people will come. Oh, if we do this, or if we have, like, fog, you know, like, the people will come. Like, they want to, you know, like, just kind of doing all these things because we thought that's what, like, would get more people, and then we get more volunteers, and then we wouldn't be so burned out. And our priorities were way off, and we took that time to repent and say, Jesus, forgive us. Our fear of man has far surpassed our fear of you. And we repent. And so then God led us into missions where we just had eight suitcases of stuff. That's all we had. And a couple boxes at Meemaw's house. And um, then we just got less and less stuff and less and less stuff and less and less stuff. But what happened there is for me, because this was an idol in my life, the Lord's like, oh, I'll take that. I'll take that. If you want to follow me, I'll take that. Do you want to follow me? Oh, I'll, I'll take some more. And the more I gave, the more I'm like, oh, it's costing me, and I don't care because you're worth the cost. This is something so tiny, by the way. It's, it's really small and kind of petty. I know. I'm sorry. But it's something small, and we all have it. Something that we're not quite willing to give to the Lord. Do you know what that looks like? Sometimes it's our schedule. It's busying our schedule with things. And we're not willing to give it to the Lord because either we're busy because we don't want to deal with our sin issues, or we're busy because we feel like they're good things to be busy with, whatever it is. I just want to tell you right now, that's something that's burning on Jordan in my heart. Like, oh, to be busy of the things of the Lord. Oh, to be busy just spending hours in this house together. Breaking bread. Oh, let's set up a table right here and let's all have food together. Let's talk about life. Let's confess our sins to one another. I think we'd begin to start solving the lonely issue. Anyway, as, as more. So I won't give to the Lord what costs me nothing. I, I just please hear me when I say this. This is not like a bash on scheduling or soccer or whatever it is. Like those things are good. We have to be so careful how we fill our schedules. Because if we fill it so completely that we are like, oh, you know what? Like I barely have time to do devotions this morning. We've caught ourselves in a place where our intimacy level can only go so far. And we're currently then hindering ourselves. And I also want to say this, okay? Because the presence of God is not limited to 15 minutes in your house. He can go wherever you go. This is a mindset. So whatever season you're in, however busy you are, you can practice the presence of God wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And, and, and we also have to protect the hours that we spend. Does that make sense? Like, there are seasons of busyness. Like, we can't get around it sometimes. It's just the way of life. And then there's an invitation, like Jordan said, to do life with God, not for him. 
He does not want us to just live life for him. Jordan and I don't want to be up here for him. We want him standing right next to us. We want him with us in this room. And so it's about our perspective. Like, how can we cultivate? Okay, right now, Lord, I don't have 15 minutes. Like, I have five. And our lives are really crazy or I'm mourning or whatever it is. I don't, whatever it is. Like, show me what it looks like to be with you in everything. There is a table feast that Jordan and I, like, it's on our heart. We feel this is the, one of the big, big, big top topics for praise. We feel the Lord is saying praise, fellowship, and communion. Those are the three things that are on his heart for this house. And praise is worship and prayer and that day and night, night and day, just letting it censor us. It's that. It's that. And then fellowship. How can we fellowship? How can you get to fellowship with people only once or twice a week? Like, actually, that's pretty good for our culture. But I'm, we're, we're in this to do life with you, not for you as well. We're not here to just be in the word and give you something on a Sunday morning. We're here to invite you in with us, like outside of this time. We want to be with you. We want to break bread with you. And we want to see people do it with each other. Like, we cannot do this alone. It has to be together. So fellowship is the physical table, all right? We have meals together. Let's, I don't even know where, like, just start with, if your schedule's really insane, start with once a month. Inviting somebody you don't know from this fellowship over to your house for dinner and begin there. Because, you know, we have a tendency to just invite people we do know over, right? And then those circles, it never expands and we never become one flesh fully except on Sundays, but we would love, our dream is to see one flesh completely throughout the entire week. We are one bride. And not just people of this house, people of that house, and 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 that house. And when we meet on a Sunday morning, this is the open heaven. This is our dream for this place, that this becomes an open heaven, a gateway to glory. And then on the outside, little houses around filled with fire during the week because then they become open heavens. How is this region impacted if we begin maybe even by breaking bread as a family by ourselves? If, we're, if we start in our own home, that's where it begins. Like if Jordan and I and our girls we have dinner together and we say, oh, I just love you. Tell me about your time. Tell me what's been hard. You know, all those things. If it begins in our home, then it begins spread. I guess you can't see it like this. <laughs> if it begins in our home, and then it starts spreading and spreading and spreading and spreading and spreading and spreading. There's a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key, and it's an amazing read. Like, it's, it's just the whole idea that the gospel comes with a house key. We used to be in a culture where you would be able to go next door to your neighbor and get a, hey, do you have any extra eggs? I'm like in a pinch. Do you have any sugar? You know what I mean? Instead of having front porches on our house being built, we have back porches. We have, we have meeting places in the back, and we've put fences around our yard. And instead of being open, we become fearful of the people around us, projecting something that may not even be true, which then, because our, our words have power, could be a reality for that person. Anyway, 
the table feast. This is what God wants to do in this house. God is preparing something unlike we have ever seen for this, his bride in this area. For his bride in this area. Some of us are standing in the doorway of the dining room. So these are like the different levels of which we're at as a church body. Some of us, we can like see, like we're like, we've come into the house, we're in the house, and then we like look in the doorway, like we're in the doorway to the dining room. Like, oh, there's so much joy. Yes, look at them. Oh my gosh, I just love this. Look at the beauty. This is so beautiful. I love being in this house because there's a feast going on. We can see the joy and celebration and we're admiring and we love what's going on and we're cheering them on, but we never enter into the room. Some of us are in the dining room looking over someone else's shoulder and can see the spread of food before us and we say, wow, this is amazing. Oh my gosh, look at that. <gasps> we're like super close to it. You know, you can smell it. You can smell the presence of God. You're just like, oh, yes, <gasps> yes, I can smell it. Oh my goodness, look at this. This is so amazing. But we never sit down and eat. And then the next level would be somebody who is like sitting at the table. They're like, oh my gosh, you have to try this. And they're like, yes. And they try it and they're like, that is so good. And they give them the fork back, but they never sit down next to them and partake of the full meal. Listen, there is a full table feast that is sitting before us in this house, and it is full of glory and goodness and power because he is here. He has set the table before us, and we have a choice. How much of this table feast are we going to partake in? And I will tell you, Jordan and I, we are all in. We are going to sit down. We're going to sit down and partake in every single bit that we possibly can. Every single bit. And if you ever see us say, hey, I don't see you fully, fully taking your part. Like, I don't see you sitting down anymore. Please tell us because that is our greatest fear. It's more, we're more afraid to not be sitting at the table with him than to give everything for him and release all of this garbage and crap and then to finally be in his presence. Like this, this is it. He is everything. He is everything, 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 everything. And so I just want to encourage us as a body that in order to move forward, we need to pull up a chair and we need to sit with the king of glory. And we need to look at the cross and see him. And that's actually the ticket of how we like get ourselves in the chair, right? Is the cross. And then when we sit down, then we can look at the man with eyes like fire and hair like wool and say, holy, holy is the lamb. Holy, holy is the lamb all, almighty who was and is and is to come. Then we see him rightly because we've already walked through the cross into his presence, been washed and cleaned by his blood, and we sit down and we partake. Ah, oh, you're so good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This food, what is this food? This food looks like being in the word. This food is literal. It is the communion, the drink and the cup, the bread and the wine. It is literal. Partake in it. Remember what he's done. The food at the table is fellowship. Doing it with each other. Be the most boring thing in the whole wide world if Jordan just, and I just sat home. Did I mean, we actually could have amazing time just like with Jesus and us. But that's not God's heart and intention. He created community. He is community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
From the very beginning, he emanated himself. I don't know if that's the right language. He, he portrayed himself. He was himself three, three in one as love, other-centered love. Other-centered love in this beautiful, 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 beautiful community. Because we need to be a part of community. He exemplifies it constantly. And it doesn't cost that much, just everything. Last, um, the last verse here is Revelation 3.20. And it says, See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. This is the table. This is the table. Do you know that we can speak to the God in heaven who created all things, who's outside of time? There's the space and universe is still expanding because he's, he tells it to. He makes your heart beat and he created your fingerprints and your irises and each snowflake is different. This beautiful, beautiful God wants intimate friendship with you, with me. I can't get over that. To be lovers of Jesus is all about the, the, the level at which we are intimate with Jesus is always the level of our proximity to him like how close we are. If we're just, like if we're outside the house and we're a little afraid to knock on the door and the party's going on. Or if we hear his voice and he's standing at the door and we're afraid because we know the cost. We maybe know the cost and we haven't taken that plunge yet because it's the most terrifying thing we could do because of our flesh, we want to be in control of ourselves. We want power and control, and our flesh wants to be, we want to be the boss of our own world, and we want to have a say. And to come under the authority of him releases all of that to him. But isn't it funny that we would think that we know better when he knows us better than we know ourselves. There's this invitation and it's gentle and kind and loving and fierce. He is loyal to the very, very end. He wants everyone to be at that table, everyone. And Jesus. There's a song that I haven't, been able to like get out of my being lately and I love it so, so much. It's by Tiffany Hudson and the words say, who will see the Lord? Who is holy? Who is pure? He's coming for his bride. So fill your lamps and dress in white. And the wonderful thing about Jesus is it isn't, we, we've, the church has just gone so far to this grace, this pendulum. Like we were at this religious, you know, legalistic, you know, spot, you know, in the 60s. <laughs> and then there was a great rebellion and there was the Jesus revolution and we swung right over here to the grace because he's good and he's beautiful and he's kind. But what Jory and I feel very, very stricken and very, very, this is like in our nowhere, nowhere, like we have to be right here, right here. 
the fear of the Lord and the grace of Jesus Christ. Because the wonderful thing is, he asks for us to give everything to him, and we actually can't do that on our own. <laughs> we need him to do it for us and with us. But this just beautiful in invitation. I just want to say, if you have never given your life to Jesus before, and you know the cost, because it is costly, but let me tell you that God paid the ultimate price, the cost of his own son, beaten and bloodied and whipped beyond recognition. And he did it willingly. He paid the ultimate price for us. And so it's really nothing. It's not that much to give him everything. It's really not. So if you've never made that decision today, I just want to take some time. We're going to do this, okay? So we're going to close our eyes, and we're just going to pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence. We taste and see that you are good, and you are the revealer of Jesus, the Son of the most beautiful, glorious God. Jesus, I put my trust in you. I believe that you came and you died on the cross and you rose again on the third day. That you paid the debt for my sin. That you paid the ultimate price for my life. And I want to give everything for you. I want to pay everything for you in return. This life, all the cares of this world. I just constantly mess things up on my own, and I need you. I need you in my life. Will you come and be the Lord of my life? Fill me with your presence, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit right now, Jesus. Send your spirit right now. To fill us. May we be completely submerged by your Holy Spirit. The band can come on up, please. If you have made that decision, which I just applaud you, it's the best decision. I know it because I made it, and it's just the best. It's just the best. The best. If you made that decision, will you please come forward? Please come forward and just, you can sit at the altar. You can ask for more prayer. Whatever it is, even if you just raise your hand so we can see you, we want to see you and take note of you because we want to partner with you. We want you to join us, to join our family. Yes, yes and amen. Thank you, Jesus. You are the king of glory. It doesn't cost that much, just everything, so we have everything in our lives, Lord Jesus. Let it be so, let it be so. Jesus, we give you everything, 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 everything. And as you have committed your lives to Jesus, there's a, there's a pastor. I don't want I don't, I don't to stay from this holy moment, so just let's stay here. There's a pastor that says five things or a few things. Listen, if you have given your lives to Jesus today, please, here are some steps to move forward, some steps that must take place. Read your Bible every single day. Pray every day, pray every day. He is, he is the friend. 
He can't be a friend if we don't talk to him and hear what he has to say. He has so much to say, so much beautiful goodness that he wants to breathe into you, so much life. And plant your church or plant your life in a local church. So either this one or another one, whichever one God is calling you to, plant your life in a church. We cannot do this alone. We can't. The next step is get baptized in water. We'll have baptism sometime soon, I'm sure. Get baptized in water. Or if you want to do it today, we'll just, we'll just figure it out. And receive the Holy Spirit. Because there's power, there's a, there's a part of who God is who wants to indwell in us fully and completely. And in the scriptures, Jesus calls us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So receive the Holy Spirit fully. And then the last thing, tell someone about Jesus today. Tell them, tell them. If we have this good news that we proclaim we have, and I say this for all of us. Why aren't we sharing it? We must share, we've gotta share. There are people who need him, we need him. If we need him that much, how much does everybody else need him? Share and tell about him today. We must share, we must share. Let us be a people who share about him and not keep him for ourselves, hoarding his presence. So come Lord Jesus. Take our sin, take our burdens, take our cares. Lord Jesus, take away all of the competitions. Come Lord Jesus, take away all of the distractions. Come and have first place in our lives, Holy Spirit. Come, we're just gonna worship. The land is awesome for coming up here. We're just gonna worship and spend some time. If you need to go grab your kids, please do this room. Let's keep it holy. We don't want the Holy Spirit to leave this place. We just want him forever. So if you have some place to go, you can sneak right out. For those who want to stay, please stay. Take as long as you want. This house is open. <laughs>